Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today as usual. We also have three fine sponsors today. We also want to give you a heads up now about what's going to be happening on Friday and all of next week. Longtime Three Martini Lunch listeners know what's coming. We've alluded to it a couple of times uh, in our regular podcast over the past couple of weeks. But it's our special series year-end editions of the Three Martini Lunch, starting on Christmas Eve, this coming Friday, and then all five days of next week. We're going to have six special episodes, each one containing three different categories, and in each of those categories, Jim and I will choose our uh, choices for uh, the winners of those categories. So, for example, on Friday, we are going to have uh, most overrated, underrated, and honest political figures. Then next week we'll have, starting on Monday, we'll have a political figures, sorry to see go, rising star, uh, fading into oblivion. And then after that, it'll be things like best idea, worst idea, boldest tactic, worst scandal, best political theater, worst political theater. Uh, we'll rip on the media a lot with overreported, underreported, and best stories of 2021. And then on New Year's Eve, our final episode of the year, we'll have our person of the year, uh, turncoat of the year, and fearless predictions for. 2022. So, uh, Jim, uh, we've already been cutting these uh, as time goes on, so folks might see that uh, things have changed a little bit in the news since we first talked about them. Uh, but I think the uh, the overall choices are going to hold up quite well over the final days of 2021. And Greg, we should remind all competitors, all newsmakers, all political figures, all media figures, if you wanted to win this award, and let's face it, you probably didn't want to, but there are a couple categories you might have. You really needed to get it in by like mid-December. Uh, if something really huge happens on December 30th, it's conceivable Greg and I will simply ignore you and act as if it didn't happen on that day, not because we pre-taped them at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> That's exactly right. So if you had big news, you missed your deadline. But uh, anyway, uh, we had a lot of news over the past year. And so by all means, uh, you will want to tune into those. They're a lot of fun. And it's amazing uh, all that happened in the last 12 months. It's kind of exhausting, in fact. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, what you want to do is make sure you get the best gifts for everyone on your list. And the perfect gift package from Omaha Steaks is about as perfect as it gets. Just had the Italian-style meatballs last night. We've had them with our spaghetti uh, you know, a number of times over the past several months. Last night, Mrs. Corumbus decided she was going to change it up a little bit and just go very casual with the meatball subs. Fantastic. Very tasty, a lot of flavor, uh, easy for her to, to make, and uh, they were just absolutely delicious. So, you know, you think about the steaks and the, the burgers and, and the chicken and all of it's fantastic, but it's it's like a really good team. The bench is really deep at Omaha Steaks, so even when you're talking about meatballs or the sides, fantastic. But go to omahasteaks.com and enter Martini into the search bar and save over 50% when you order the perfect gift package today. Uh, for $99.99, you'll get the six ounce butcher's cut top sirloins, chicken breasts, jumbo franks, sides, desserts, and so much more. And when you use the code MARTINI, you'll not only save over 50%, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers for free. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship right away, and since we're getting pretty close uh, to Christmas, you'll want to get that order in right away. And don't forget about the eight free burgers. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword MARTINI in the search bar. OmahaSteaks.com. 
keyword martini in the search bar. All right, Jim, on to the good martini. And if anyone's paid attention to the news over the past 24 to 30 hours, they're going to know exactly what our good martini is. Uh, you know, Chris Wallace left Fox News Sunday. Not sure how many scoops he got on that particular episode. Brett Baer filling the chair while Fox figures out what the long-term strategy is for the program, at least for this past Sunday. And boy, he got a scoop right away. Joe Manchin, Democratic senator from West Virginia, comes on and delivers devastating news for the Democrats, which is phenomenal news for conservatives. Uh, I've always said this, Brett. If I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no. You can hear the regret in his voice, and he probably knew the uh, avalanche of criticism that would be coming. Uh, all of the lefties were out uh, spitting venom yesterday. Uh, Ilhan Omar uh, calling it BS and not the abbreviation uh, on MSNBC with Ali Velshi. The White House itself, Jim, you'd think in this situation they'd be saying, look, we understand the concerns that Senator Manchin has, but we're committed to working together and we're going to figure out the common ground. No. Jen Psaki issues this statement yesterday saying in part, uh, if his comments on Fox and written statement indicate an effort to our efforts, they represent a sudden and inexplicable reversal in his position and a breach of his commitments to the president, the senator's colleagues in the House and Senate. Later on, it says, just as Senator Manchin reversed his position on Build Back Better this morning, we will continue to press him to see if he will reverse his position yet again to honor his prior commitments to be true to his word. And then she actually spent time explaining how all the climate provisions would be great for West Virginia, so she can't understand why he's opposed to this. So, uh, Jim, uh, could not be better on a number of fronts. I know Ron Wyden's already trying to tweak it to try to figure out something that would, would get Manchin's vote, but uh, Schumer's going to press it on a floor vote as soon as they get back in January, which he's going to lose. Uh, man, it's hard to imagine a more encouraging end to the year on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and you know, if you're a uh, Republican, and you know, 2021 has been a very frustrating year. The Democrats uh, won control of the Senate. Uh, Republicans have largely been an afterthought to the legislative agenda. A couple of them voted for the infrastructure bill. Then you have to be really pleased with where things are, not, you know, not just on Build Back Better, but the fact that, you know, think about it, the proposal to add more members to the Supreme Court is going nowhere. They haven't created statehood for District of Columbia, no statehood for Puerto Rico, things like that. And the other thing is, is that, you know, Joe Biden, the, the longtime veteran of Washington, who we were assured, you know, new leadership and had great relationships on Capitol Hill, the entire White House from the very beginning has just kind of acted like, the way I put it in the morning jolt this morning, is they acted like they had 63 votes in the Senate, right? They, they did not act like they really needed Joe Manchin's vote. They did not act like they really needed Kirsten Sinema's vote. It would make perfect sense if starting from January or February, the administration has said, look, we're going to try to get as much as we can out of Build Back Better, but we've only got 50 votes, which means any one person can effectively, you know, put the kibosh on this thing. We need to, you know, the, the only things that are going to pass are the things that have the broadest consensus. We don't think we're going to get any Republican votes on this. We can try with Olympia Snow. I'm sorry, with Susan Collins. You can tell I'm, I'm still not updated my main Republican <laughs> female senator software. We can try with Lisa Murkowski, but it's probably not. We don't have high hopes there. You're going to get half a loaf. If you want to do better, we should have, you know, one more sentence. It's like that. That's that's been the factor of it. And, you know, uh, on on uh, the editor's podcast for National Review, 
every two weeks or so, Rich usually, you know, suggests the topics and he'd say, oh, we got to talk about Build Back Better. And I'd be like, nothing new has happened. It's the same dynamics over and over again. Progressives want several trillion in spending and Manchin and sometimes Sinema would say, mm, no, it's too much. And the site would just lather, rinse, repeat. It just kept going on over and over again. I am glad Manchin is putting his foot down. He really, there's no vagueness. He laid out in detail everything his, uh, his viewpoints are. Uh, the increased in inflation numbers have not done anything to strengthen the need to pass another couple trillion on top of the trillions upon trillion, the, the you know trillion we spent on infrastructure, the trillion we spent on the first COVID relief bill, the several trillion we spent over the course of 2020 deal with the pandemic. The government has spent enough money. What we really need to deal with right now is inflation. What we really need to deal with are these other supply chain issues. There are other big problems facing the economy. And you know the government isn't spending enough money is not one of them. Oh, by the way, and I just put this in the corner, if Chuck Schumer really wants to go through with this entirely symbolic vote, it's not going to pass, but we're going to put everybody on the record. And boy, we're going to, you know, that that's, he's going to pay, you know, Joe Manchin's going to pay for this in his primary in 2024. Um, <laughs> if that's really the game plan, well, you know, the inflation numbers come out January 12th. So you can either, you know, pay, you know have the vote on it, have 49 of 50 Democrats say yes, or 48 say, yes, we should pass this, and then have bad inflation numbers come out. Or you could have bad inflation numbers come out and then have 48, you know, Democratic senators say we should we should spend two trillion more in, in spending. There's really not a good way for this to work out for Chuck Schumer. But at this point, they're just in the we want to bang our heads against the wall as hard as we possibly can, because maybe this time will be the time the wall breaks instead of our skull. <laughs> I think that's a great move. Let's get Mark Kelly. Let's get Warnock. Let's get all these guys who are up in 2022 on the record as being in favor of this terrible legislation. I'm all in favor of that vote. Uh, go for it, Chuck Schumer. Go for it. All right, Jim. Well, uh, nothing better than talking about great news in the comfort of your X chair. All year long. Actually, it has been all year. But about halfway through the year, I got my X chair. And folks, look, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to spend a lot of time at your desk. It is, so it is a lot easier to manage. It is a lot easier to handle when you have an X chair. And it's not just the uh, massaging ability, the heating ability, the cooling ability. I think what it is that everything, first of all, it's extremely well built and everything adjustable, the arms, the back, the neck, um, and you just feel it after a while. And I think you know, lots of folks have probably uh, at some point or another had to borrow somebody's desk, worked at somebody else's chair, and you can just tell it's not what you're used to, and usually the next day you could feel it. Usually the next day you're like, oh, this is uh, I'm a little sore, I'm in your neck, your, your shoulder, maybe you got mouse arm. You're not gonna have that with the X chair. Everything is adjustable directly to your body and it's, uh, and it's comfort. And it is the sort of thing where if you're gonna have to spend a lot of time at your desk, go get the X chair, you can thank me later. Absolutely right. And X chair has a great holiday gift for you. Save $100 off your X chair just by purchasing at xchairmartini.com right now. Yeah, go do it right now. That's the letter X Chair, M A R T I N I dot com. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Go to xchairmartini.com and save. xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now. And Bill de Blasio is going away, at least as mayor of New York City at the end of the month. Can't happen soon enough. But the mindset of these people, Jim, it's not just de Blasio, but he just said the, the quiet part out loud uh, in this interview with Michael Smirkanish. And he has Bill de Blasio on, and Smirkanish is trying to make the point, look, you know, a lot of different rules about COVID. Yours are far more draconian, but uh, we all have to get on the same page somehow. 
And de Blasio basically uh, explains how he thinks government should have power over people. This is pretty chilling. I feel it here in New York City. Yeah. By the way, I'm from Philadelphia, so it's not like I, 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 I live in a rural area. Um, but I feel it in every block that I walk in New York City. But if I were in the middle part of the country with you, I don't think we'd see masks. I don't think we'd be showing our vax cards anywhere. So I come back to that point where unless everybody's on the same page in the country, we're kind of screwed. And you know how you get on the same page? People have to lead. So, look, I believe with enough leadership, enough mandates, we're going to get a hell of a lot more people vaccinated. The more people vaccinated, the more we actually make the transition to a time when COVID is in the background, not the foreground. And we know these mandates work and we know people respond. Look, human beings are pretty predictable. If you say your paycheck depends on it or your ability to enjoy life and go do the things you want to do, people will make the practical decision overwhelmingly and they'll go get vaccinated. But we aren't pushing hard enough. We got to go farther. It's not a decision at that point when they're taking away your ability to make a living or your ability to enjoy your life. And he's just casually talking about how that helps people make the practical decision. We've said it till we're blue in the face. The difference between vaccines and whether they're a good idea or vaccine mandates are two totally different things, no matter how much the left or the far left, in the case of Bill de Blasio, uh, want to make you believe they are one in the same. But, Jim, this idea that the government has the ability to just strangle you financially and uh, your ability to pursue happiness is uh, about as scary as it gets. And the national response to this better be near term and long term. Screw you, Bill de Blasio and anyone else who thinks this way. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to have maybe at the end of the decade, you know, some sort of you know most damaging figures in American life. I'm sure a lot of people will yell about their least favorite president, maybe the current president, maybe the previous president. But I think, you know, Pound for pound, Bill de Blasio has been a really damaging figure. And most often when we mention him on this podcast, I will crack some joke about him being a notorious serial killer of groundhogs, which is bad, right? It wasn't just that he had, you know, accidentally dropped the groundhog and the groundhog broke its neck and that he died during this Groundhog Day ceremony. It was also that the mayor's office had pressured the zoo to hide the fact that the, you know, poor groundhog had died. But in terms of the effects of crime, on a, in terms of the effects of uh, exa- you know, relationship with the police, which basically at de Blasio, it's been terrible. The elimination of gifted and talented programs, the degree to which the uh, New York City public school system became obsessed with, uh, uh, you know, race and, and making, you know, diversifying programs. And we were going to completely change the standards for different uh, students of different races. Uh, who cares about merit? Who cares about who actually earned their way into these gifted programs? Um, I, earlier in the pandemic, went through all the things he had said in the early months and weeks of uh, 2020. And he assured everyone, don't worry, the city's got this. It's perfectly safe to use the subways and things like that. Lo and behold, New York City turned out to be probably the most hard hit place in the entire country. Um, not entirely the mayor's fault. Obviously, when you're densely packed together like that, you're, you're going to have greater challenges, a big international city, lots of travelers going in and out, all that kind of stuff. But by and large, by almost every measure, Bill de Blasio has left New York City in much worse shape than when he found it. Uh, you know, you and I have plenty of criticism to say of Michael Bloomberg, but I think you can say the city was in much better shape and that overall he was a more competent administrator, certainly one who was more uh, friendly to the business community and more understanding of the need to create jobs than de Blasio has been for this long. Throw on top of it, he's got apparently terrible schedules. The rumor is, is that he's... Um, there's a certain substance that was recently, recently legalized that he's a huge fan of. And I kind of felt like the... The iconic image of Bill de Blasio's time as mayor of New York City came 
right around one year ago when de Blasio was dancing alone with his wife in the middle of Times Square, where usually you saw thousands or tens of thousands of revelers as the ball dropped, only he and the police, all masked, keeping everyone away from Times Square so that he could you know, enjoy it just with his wife alone um, in kind of marking of how much the pandemic had turned life in America upside down. But this comment, I think this is the distilled essence of Bill de Blasio. In the end, he believes that he and people like him were put on earth to save you from yourself and your own bad judgment. He is here to tell you what to do, and he is here to figure out all the different ways that he can put the squeeze on you, and that he can punish you for daring to think that you know better. Do I want people to get vaccinated? Absolutely. Do I want people to get boosted? Absolutely. But I absolutely loathe this mentality at the work of Bill de Blasio, this utter arrogance, this utter... Um, almost uh, you know, gleeful uh, vindictiveness towards the people who would uh, defy his rule. He's been a truly toxic personality. I'm glad that his uh, presidential bid you know, crashed and burned. I think it's very revealing that he still thinks he's got a future in politics. I think his, uh, the lack of interest in him as a uh, national leader was revealing. Uh, and it seems like he's trying to do as much damage on the way out before uh, Eric Adams takes over. So as far as I'm concerned, Greg, it can't come soon enough. No, nah, absolutely not. Good to know that Adams is a better friend of police, although it'd be hard to be a worse friend of police than Bill de Blasio. He's also uh, put together a school's chancellor who believes in bringing back the gifted program. So, um, you know, it's going to be better. Uh, but he's got a lot to uh, work on because of everything that Bill de Blasio has either utterly destroyed or made exponentially worse. Just an absolute train wreck of eight years under Bill de Blasio. All right, Jim. We have talked a lot about universal coin and bullion and the American Eagle coin. That is the uh, most popular coin you can get right now to start your investment potentially in gold and silver. But now they're out with a new offer. Look, the stock market, as we have said, is volatile. And the current administration uh, is looking for tax increases on, quote unquote, the rich. They're not very tough on China. They're not telling you the truth about inflation. Uh, but Universal Coin and Bullion is now offering a one ounce pure silver tribute coin featuring America's 45th president, Donald J. Trump, at their cost. Yes, you will get a pure one-ounce silver coin featuring former President Trump at the same price that Universal Coin buys it from their vendors. Throughout history, silver and gold have been a hedge against inflation and a guaranteed asset that you can turn to when times turn uncertain. And with Biden and Harris in office, it does not seem like uncertainty is going away anytime soon, now does it? No, it does not. So diversify your portfolio, add a pure silver Trump coin to your investments now. The postage is free. Call Universal Coin at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their professional staff, led by America's gold expert, Dr. Mike Fulgens, are waiting for you to call. Again, the number is 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your pure silver President Trump coin at dealer's cost. 1-800-UCB-GOLD. All right, Jim, we're going to stay on COVID. Uh, this time we're moving from the uh, oppression of Bill de Blasio to the cluelessness of the woman who's one heartbeat away from the presidency. Kamala Harris sitting down for an interview with the Los Angeles Times. And Jim, I don't know if this shows how far out of the loop she is in the administration or how out of the loop the whole administration is. But listen to the way this story begins. Vice President Kamala Harris said Friday that the administration failed to anticipate the variants that have prolonged and worsened the COVID-19 pandemic and that she underestimated the role misinformation would play in prolonging the disease that has killed 800,000 Americans. Quote, we didn't see Delta coming. I think most scientists did not. 
upon whose advice and direction we have relied. Didn't see Delta coming. We didn't see Omicron coming. And that's the nature of what this, this awful virus has been, which, as it turns out, has mutations and variants. Jim, did, did you know viruses mutate? We had no idea. We've got the world's very, very best scientists on this case, and they were completely shocked that a virus mutated. Yeah. Look, uh, the first thing that came to mind when I saw this was the report in the Washington Post. You may remember a few weeks ago, they talked to a lot of former Kamala Harris staffers and generally had all kinds of unflattering anecdotes. But the one that really stood out was the former staffer who said that one of Harris's biggest problems is that she doesn't really pay attention in her briefings, doesn't read the briefing materials, goes out, is unprepared has a bad experience and then will come back and berate the staffers for not adequately preparing her for what was going on. Um, coming out and saying we didn't foresee the variants coming. I, I just I was reminded of that anecdote. I, the thing is, it's almost impossible to believe that, you know, they took office in January 20th. The briefings start, you know, I think around November for the, the transition. Um, there's you, know, you they can't tell me public health officials, you know, Fauci and Collins and all these other top officials didn't have meetings where they said, this, you know, this virus is going to mutate. Some of these vi variants could be very dangerous. They could be more contagious. They could be more virulent. We're going to have to wait and see, but that's a real risk here. And then as Delta emerged and as Omicron emerged, you can't tell me they weren't briefed about this. You can't tell me that they didn't know. No one in the government bothered to tell them, hey, we got this Delta thing and it's spreading really fast. What I suspect Harris may have wanted to say, or the, the only reasonable answer in that sort of situation is to say, uh, yes, Los Angeles Times, it's been a really frustrating year in terms, we really thought the pandemic would be behind us at this point. The problem is the various mutates at the speed of nature, right? That, you know, there's the more people get it, the more it's, uh, it's mutated, the more chances it has to replicate as it's replicating, it's usually making these very tiny and really functionally insignificant changes. But every once in a while, it'll make a big change and it'll be different. It's not just here in the United States, everybody all around the world is giving it an opportunity for it to mutate into something that's you know either more uh, contagious or more virulent. Thankfully, it looks like the Omicron variant is not more virulent, but it is more contagious. Um, it spreads pretty quickly in the bronchus, which is the, the tubes that lead up from your lungs to your throat. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't replicate as fast in your lung tissue, which is where you really have respiratory problems, which is why it seems so far to be milder, but much more contagious. What Harris could have and should have said is like, look, we're trying to create public policy and respond, and we're responding at the speed of the federal government, which is not as fast as the virus can mutate. So we're chasing a moving target. It is not, you know, by the time we get a truly fantastic response for Delta, Omicron has come along and Omicron is different. And that's, you know, like that all would be a reasonable answer. And that would be the most, you know, accurate explanation of here's why we're still in this mess in December 2021 when the president ran around saying, I'm going to shut down the virus. Unfortunately, saying, look, no one told us it was going to happen like this. This just makes her look incompetent. Looks like she's blaming the staff. And it really does nothing to reassure people. Uh, and it's really implausible. I think she may she may have not foreseen this coming. But I think every health expert, everybody who'd studied viruses would say, well, this thing's going to mutate. And it's entirely a roll of the dice of how these mutations play out, whether it makes it less dangerous, more dangerous, less contagious, more contagious. The only factor that kind of points to things getting better was this concept of reversion to the mean, that if you end up with a virus that's really, really dangerous and deadly, then subsequent mutations are probably going to move it back towards the average or normal, which is not so, not so dangerous, not so deadly. 
Well, the White House is doubling down. We joked about this on, I think, Friday, Jim, in our introduction to the podcast. But now they have an official statement out, and Biden's going to talk about uh, you know, the COVID fight again tomorrow. So we'll probably hear this again. Uh, the statement, we are intent on not letting Omicron uh, disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you, you thought you were tired of that Game of Thrones winter is coming meme, huh? You know, <laughs> look, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, um, you know, should we be concerned about this? Yeah, you know, I, I think because it's more contagious, the odds of you getting it are pretty high. If you're vaccinated, you're probably protected. If you're boosted, you're definitely protected. Um, although, you know, only different people are going to have different risk levels, including, um, uh, you know, the elderly, immunocompromised, if you've got multiple comorbidities, you probably want to be a little careful. Um, and, uh, you know, also, as they've done some research, some genes are more vulnerable to uh, this than others. Uh, th- then, you know, that's that's just the, the nature of this uh, thing. The Biden, it almost feel like between this and what we talked about in the first martini, and you saw that, you know, furious response to uh, Joe Manchin, I kind of feel like there's this sense of, almost giving up an exasperation, almost a tantrum in the Biden administration right now. It does not speak well of them and it does not, you know, suggest, we're, we're a year in. There's, you know, supposed to be more to this uh, uh, administration here. So three, three more years of this presidency. So I, it, it is a bad to see the president. And this is just the wrong tone. You got to give people something to look forward to. You got to give people a goal. Um, and it just continues to be, I think this, you know, it's, it's, the president hasn't quite given up, but it really does seem like they're just now saying doom is coming. There's nothing we can do. Aren't you glad you elect us, America? <laughs> I think there's one person who hasn't gotten a vax yet that's going to listen to that and go, OK, now I see his point. Well, yeah, nobody, you know. nobody. Well, you know, that's kind of the Democratic version on every piece of Republican legislation, too. If they don't get their way on something, everyone's going to die. That's basically it. Is. it. <laughs> Most of us you know, already died because of uh, net neutrality. <laughs> what was the other one? Was it? Oh, tax cuts. Not, uh, tax cuts. That's right. Tax cuts killed a lot of us. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we didn't actually repeal Obamacare, sadly, but that would have done it, too. Uh, but yeah, pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. Yeah, other than the mandate, probably was going to kill some folks too. So yeah, but it, it really was net neutrality. That was the one that was really going to. That's gonna the big killer. That's the big killer. Anyway, Jim. On that note, the craziness continues. I'm sure tomorrow. Talk to you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us. Also, very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Corumbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens, the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. He was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, one of the reasons I like Universal Coin and Bullion as a sponsor is because the people tasked with stopping counterfeiting and fraud come to you for advice. No one's more knowledgeable or more trusted on these issues. Tell us about your background and how it's unique. Well, I started collecting at the age of seven was president of the local coin club at 18 and state coin show chairman. And then I went to work for the American Numismatic Association in Colorado Springs. 
I taught classes on counterfeit detection and grading coins to collectors, dealers, law enforcement, and then went into business, but went back to Colorado every summer for 20 years to teach about collecting, grading, and counterfeit detection. I've since talked to uh, the Attorney General of Texas and helped him with the Consumer Protection Guide and the Federal Trade Commission and consulted for the U.S. Mint, the Royal Canadian Mint, and others. So I'm well positioned to help the public know that they're getting a genuine, high-quality product at a very good price. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.